And so it is. Dear Shambra, we gather here together for my last channel in December. (laughs) I see that the humans are already planning my schedule. Tobias's last trip to Israel, Tobias's last trip to Australia, Tobias's December to remember. (laughs) I'm coming back to live. I'm not going out to die, you understand. Indeed, it is true that I'm choosing to devote my energy in a different way through the one that I call Sam. Not to do it through these channels, but to come back with you into this incredible place called Earth, to walk with humans once again, to laugh with humans, to enjoy the music that only humans can do. I'm not leaving. I'm coming back. Instead of a farewell party, give me a birthing. (laughs) Bring me back, Shambra. Don't send me away. Uh, One of the things that uh, I will do through Sam is to, I'll write a few books. I've been keeping notes. Hopefully I'll remember when I get back into the uh, human condition. But I've been keeping notes. The odd and amazing things humans do and ways they try to justify them. (laughs) And you're not laughing. (laughs) It's a book about you, actually. (laughs) Humans. Humans are so, so dearly loved by those in your angelic families, so dearly loved by those who work with you, so dearly loved by all of the beings in all of the many dimensions, because you set up some of the most difficult and challenging conditions. You set up the biggest games the greatest illusions, the deepest delusions, and then you go play in them. And what an amazing thing. Oh, not a bad thing at all. A thing of lessons and experiences and growth. You can't find these opportunities in the other realms. You can't listen to music like you just were feeling the music just a moment ago like that in the other realms. You can't go through this deep inner search, the search for your authenticity and your originality like you can as a human on any other realm, only here, only on earth. There's still this overlay of punishment and guilt still this influence of religions of the old that portrayed this this journey to earth as some sort of punishment or if nothing else some sort of bad turn on a dark night in the skylit heavens and you ended up here it's not about that at all in order to understand who you really are and this god within you have to go to the depths sometimes the most difficult, sometimes 
the parts that are the most challenging. So dear Jambra, it is a credit to you. It is an honor to you. That is why we bring in others. We bring in guests like Carl Jung, who comes back again this month and will be with us for several more months. For he's, he's truly fascinated from his perspective now on our side of this human condition, the human psyche. He's particularly fascinated about this thing called consciousness. He's seeing it in a whole different way than what he used to experience it when he was on earth. Humans do some interesting things and drink some rather strange concoctions, but who am I to judge? (laughs) I would like the other one that you have sitting there. We'll test this out, and um, I'm going to ask a few of our guests to come and to um, taste it with us now. This is what humans drink. This is um, popular. You can find it anywhere on earth. I'm talking to our guest today. This is one of their cherished and sacred um, beverages. You see, it bubbles, it tingles, it goes into your stomach and continues to bubble and tingle. <laughs> and for hours, and bubbles and tingles. And this is what humans enjoy. Don't ask me. So, dear Shambra, dear Shambra. History is being rewritten, but the history is new. It starts now. It's being written in a whole new way, and not by by those who are considered the ones getting the publicity, or the ones in the news, but history of the human journey is being written right now by you and by others who are opening consciousness. The history is going beyond the the nuts and the bolts, going beyond the facts and the figures. It's going beyond who were the rich and who were the powerful. The history in this new energy is about consciousness. It's about melding the the human self with the divine, about changing the very fabric of consciousness on earth. And it's being done right now. You're an integrate part of it. The work you are doing in understanding your own consciousness, you you are diving into some of the deepest areas right now. And yes, we know it can appear to be challenging, and it can (laughs) appear to be difficult. And as one of you is thinking very loudly right now, it can appear to suck. (laughs) It was actually a collective energy there that... uh, But we emphasize the word appear, appear. We're we're going to talk about that today. We're We're going to change things a little today. First of all, during this Shoud. We'll take on a different um, look. I'll talk for just a little bit, but then I'm going to ask to get into some of the questions in that big, dark, black bag filled with 
those those questions. There has been a lot that have been sent in in the last month or two that are that are very intense and very well, what you could say sad in a way. We want to take some time during this regular shout session to talk about it. When we come back later for our questions and answers, we'll take questions only from this group here. No written questions. Take it from the group here, but we're going to ask that instead of lining up at the front, like um, ducks at the target range at the (laughs) carnival, (laughs) that we're going to bring the microphone to you, to honor you, to honor you for the chair that you sit in, the metaphor for being here in this important time on earth. We're going to let you ask anything you want today, but be prepared for us to answer anything you ask. So, Shambra, let us take a deep breath together. It's an amazing journey, so amazing that I, Tobias, want to come back, and many, many others, not to save or rescue, but to be in the experience with you. In addition to one of our guests today, Carl Jung, coming in to observe consciousness, how it moves, how it expands, how it shifts and changes. We have another dear guest that I personally invited in on this day, one that you probably don't know, probably never heard of, probably never will after this shout. (laughs) This isn't a big name in the angelic realm, not an archangel, just a just a regular common angel. Angel's name is Shez. Shez, just a short nickname. And Shez is neither male or female, but I'll reference Shez today as feminine, because he, she has never been to earth before, has never taken on a physical body. Will be one of these years soon enough. But right now, Shez is in service, as many, many angelic beings are. She operates very, very close to the earth realms. She's gone through considerable training of how to be a guardian angel, a spirit guide, some of you have called this type of being. Most of the spirit guides have never been to earth before. Their job isn't to answer the questions. Their job isn't to pave the path for you, because it would defeat the entire purpose of your journey. The job of one of these human angel assistants, the acronym being HAA, human angel, (laughs) human angel assistants, uh, we'll take the bubbly. The bubbly, thank you. That's Coke, though. That's not Pepsi. Are you okay with that? Tingles. <laughs> the job of the human angel assistants is to help to maintain a balance uh, of consciousness and energy, help to maintain uh, what some of you uh, have experienced before in your work. We, we call it a golden cord versus the silver cord that would connect you to um, other dimensional parts of yourself. 
The golden cord is something that the human angel assistants help to maintain for the humans who are on earth so they don't get completely lost, so that there is always the angelic presence um, surrounding them, so that they know that they are never alone and that they are truly loved. Because without the presence of a guardian angel or angel assistant, for most humans, they would find it uh, excruciatingly difficult, dark and depressing. They would feel that they have lost touch with everything, everything on a higher angelic realm. So these human angel assistants are trained in how to help maintain um, an energetic space between the human, their divine, the angelic realms, and what you would call a non-physical reality. You've all had them before. You've called them spirit guides or guardian angels. You've felt their presence at some of your darkest moments when you felt a failure as a human, when you felt rejected by ones you had loved, when you felt rejected by your parents or others. Some of your very darkest moments when you've been crying out to spirit, when you've been saying prayers to the, the great unknown, as we call it, God. These are the ones whose presence that you'll feel, not necessarily because they come any closer, but because you're more open at that point. You're at a different level of consciousness. The human level is in a point of despair and agony. But you're also at a more open level. You've had to go out of your mind. You've had to reach yourself out. And this is where you can particularly feel the essence of the guardian angels. Nearly every human on earth has one. Some have more than one, but generally never more than four. You, Jean-Bert, right now made a conscious choice a number of years ago to release your guardian angels, to release your spirit guides. You knew it was time for you to take ownership and responsibility of your own self to cut the golden cord so that you could embody yourself, your spirit, and your divine from within, from right here. To take off those spiritual training wheels and to really let yourself experience life on your own. When you let go of that golden cord and bid your thanks to your human angel assistance. It was difficult. It left a void. Part of you wondered if you could go on. Part of you felt like you had absolutely been abandoned, even though it was your choice. We think we could get addicted to this. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to write a book also, as Sam, 101 Great Reasons to Come Back to Earth. 
even when you thought you were going to ascend. So, dear Shambra, everyone has one, and um, our dear friend Chez comes in today, not a, not a well-known angel. Chez has a responsibility to a human, a woman in her 40s, living in Europe by the name of Rebecca, and it actually is her real name. Chez has to observe and be there in spirit, helping to maintain that balance for dear Rebecca, for otherwise Rebecca, her aspect, her human self, may get lost, may get totally lost. So it is interesting, the work of these human angel assistants, they're not there to judge at all. There's been days when Rebecca has done some, what you might consider, really stupid things. Really, really stupid. There was a day not so long ago where Rebecca got so angry at a co-worker of hers that she deliberately gossiped about her. She deliberately set her co-worker up to get in trouble, which the co-worker did, and the co-worker ended up getting fired. Now, you would think that the guardian angel, that Chez, would say, Rebecca, this is a wrong thing to do, but but the guardian angels don't do that at all. They're there to love and accept no matter what. Granted, they are also learning because they are, guardian angels are preparing to come to earth themselves. So through their compassion, through their constant love, they're also learning some of the qualities, some of the most brilliant qualities that they want to embody when they come to earth. So Chez has to, has to be there for Rebecca when she absolutely hates herself for things that she does, for overeating. She overeats, and oftentimes she makes herself get sick afterwards. Chez can't say, Rebecca, don't do this. Chez has to be there in total love. Now, some of you, we can feel your temperature go up a bit. Why don't the angels, why don't they yell out and tell her to stop doing that? Why don't they block her from doing it? Why don't they set up things to make her learn her lesson? But that is not the role of an angel or a human. The role of the guardian angels is constant love, constant compassion. There was a time when <clears throat> Rebecca had thought about taking her own life. She'd been married, divorced, married, divorced again, no children, doesn't really know why she wants to go on living. She has a job, but not a very good one. She has friends, but she doesn't let them get close. And by the way, she's not Chambra. A potential candidate, of course, but she's not Chambra. She doesn't even know what to believe when it comes to God. She's going to church, but didn't feel it resonated with her. She prays a lot. She prays a lot right now. And that's when Ches can 
really come in close and just try to radiate love and compassion as spirit would do. Rebecca prays to the great unknown, as we like to call it, God. This, this great unknown. Humans set up God as so unknown, off somewhere else. Humans set up God as this being that knows everything about them, but they know nothing about God. Humans set it up that God can see everything, but they, the human, sees nothing of God. Humans set it up that God is all-powerful, in a flash of the eye, can wipe out an entire universe and create another one. But humans see it that they have no power at all to do anything other than maybe get through the day. The humans pray to this great unknown out there somewhere, and it remains an unknown, a mystery. And then stories and books get written about it that turn it into even more of a mystery and more of a punishment and more of a judgment and less and less and less of love. That is why it has been so important for the guardian angels to be there, to radiate this love, to radiate this compassion, to be there for humans no matter what even when they're thinking about taking their own lives, or the life of another. You realize that there are guardian angels for ones who are about to kill another human. Terrorists, they have guardian angels. Guardian angels don't have a preference for religion or any belief system. That's not their job. They're not there to tell a terrorist not to do something. They're actually not there to warn other humans to be careful or cautious that there could be a terrorist situation. So often when, when something in the world happens, like the recent activities in Mumbai, India, we get a lot of, um, how do we say, celestial email from the humans not directed at anybody in particular, but saying, why do you allow this to happen? Why does God allow this to happen? Because we love you. Because God loves you. That's why. We don't interfere. We don't choose or want to interfere. We want to be there in love and compassion. You know, wars have been going on on Earth ever since the time of Atlantis. Wars have been a way of dealing with issues. Wars have been a way of, you know, strange way of learning. And perhaps we're in an era now where the consciousness is high enough where we can go beyond wars. But, but you know, in spite of the wars and the suffering and any of the other difficult conditions, life goes on. And it's not just one life that you or that other humans have, it's many, many lives. There is no true death. There is no true pain or suffering, although it's hard to tell a human that. It goes on. It continues to evolve. And happily to say that 
that the human condition and the human consciousness continue to to raise, continue to expand. We know that there are days when you say it looks like we're going backwards. You get these um, you get these um, dreams or imaginations that the world is going to fall back into a slump, go back to the dark ages. Sometimes you connect consciously with some of these future sci-fi type of movies where the world has been decimated by war, by the environment, by the other conditions, and it's just a, a survival type of environment. But it's not that way at all. It's not going to be that way at all. The level of consciousness on Earth right now is too high for that. It's not going to go backwards. There are humans like you, Shambra, and other humans who don't call themselves Shambra, but might have an affiliation with another type of group or just by themselves. But I brought up the level of consciousness on Earth to where it can't go back to dark ages. It can't go into a form of annihilation on Earth. It can't go to a point of old world wars anymore. It's a changing world and changing for the better. And there are still difficulties, indeed. There are still many humans who resort back to some very dark ways, some very challenging ways. But the world is going forward. You could take a deep breath with that. So Chez comes in today to observe, not just Rebecca, who he's working with. He's taken a little time off to be here with Wishambra, and he wants to go back, or she wants to go back. <laughs> Forget which is which. She wants to go back and talk this over with some of the other guardian angels, what it's like for them, what she saw here with this group of Shambra which he sees with the potential of humanity. So we're asking you to invite in and actually honor, not just Chez, but all of the guardian angels who are working across earth right now, who are there in total love and compassion for the humans, no matter what they choose to do, no matter what they choose to do. And perhaps there's an important thing to be learned from Chez <clears throat> for each one of you. Total compassion and love for other humans. You don't have to be a guardian angel in service in the other realms to take on that role, to have total love and compassion for yourself, for yourself. Just imagine, you used to have guardian angels or spirit guides not so long ago. They loved you unconditionally. Imagine now using that as a standard for yourself, totally loving yourself, not the kind of love or the conditional love that you tend to have. You can love yourself on the good days loathe yourself on the bad days. No, we're talking about that same purity, 
same purity that the guardian angels have had for you. And then imagine, just imagine for a moment, having that same compassion in your everyday life for other humans. Total love. Total compassion. That means not trying to change them and not feeling sorry for them. You know, one of the first things they do in working with and training the guardian angels is they teach the guardian angels, don't feel sorry for a human ever, ever. Tough lesson. It's a little bit different because these angelic beings haven't been to earth before, so they don't have some of the overlays that you do. But yet, the moment that their energy starts coming closer to this earthly dimension, it's so easy for them to start feeling the sorrow, replacing compassion with sorrow. But does that really do a human good? How would you like it if your guardian angels had just felt sorry for you? Wouldn't you feel like a bit of a failure? If you could feel that energy around you feeling, I really feel sorry for Mary. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an awful thing to wake up to in the morning and feel around you all day long? Ah, maybe not. Maybe not. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So, Shambra, you are the standards. You are the, you are the human angels on earth right now. Can you imagine having that level of compassion and love for another human that you're just going to love them and accept them? See, part of you wants to struggle with that, saying, but how can I just stand by and watch other humans, damn it? <laughs> how can I just let them do all of these wrong things? Ah, ah here's what separates an enlightened being from a normal, regular human being. The ability to love unconditionally. It's the essence of Kuan Yin. It's the essence of Mary, Mary Magdalene, and Mother Mary. It's the essence of Sophia, and so many of the other, the other energies that have total compassion and love. You're starting to get it. You're starting to learn it. And it's what's going to separate you from your old self in these coming months. And what separates you from the other humans. And there are times when it can be lonely. Being so filled with compassion and love that you don't have drama. That you don't have energy stealing and feeding. So filled with compassion and love that other people are going to want your presence and want to understand what got you to this point of being a guardian human angel. Can you imagine the difficulty of some of the guardian angels having to watch humans do some of the very difficult, what you would call very dark, heinous things that they do the guardian angel stays balanced, stays loving, stays there for that human, maintaining that golden connection 
a golden cord because all will be accepted back in the other realms. So, we tell you this today because, first of all, you release this need or desire to have the guardian angels when you started going through your awakening process. Now, you have correspondence. You have angelic beings that you work with all the time, but you don't have to have the assigned beings maintaining that energy space for you anymore. That's one of the reasons it feels a little lonely at times. One of the reasons why, oh, you'd love to have that, um, it's like a blanket. These guardian angels are like a blanket. You'd like to have that back around you. But you also know that you're maturing in your consciousness. It's time to let go of that blanket. So, moving on, short, um, just short few comments here. If you remember, at the beginning of this calendar year, we said this was going to be a ping-pong year. Hmm. And it was indeed, and it was. There was a lot of pings this year. There was your economy, the finances. Could you have imagined in, or could, I'm... I know that Caldra would have blocked back in January, blocked if we said the Dow Jones is going to go down below 8,000 before the end of the year. He would have panicked. He would have run out and done panicky things, and many of the rest of you would have also dug underground shelters of preparing for the end of the earth. And if we had told you the biggest investment houses in the world would cease to exist, wiped off the face of the earth by the end of 2008. You'd have surely gone into panic. You would have tried to build some spaceship and eject yourself off of earth because you figured it would have be coming to an end. If we told you that in one calendar year, one calendar year, oil would be going from $144 a barrel to $40 a barrel, 144 early in the year and down to 40 at the end of the year. You would have called us crazy, or at least you would have called Calder crazy. It was a year of ping-pong. If we would have told you that even in January of this year that a black man, a young black man, would be elected the next President of the United States, You'd have accused us of smoking celestial something or other. <laughs> Dear Shambra, if we'd have told you that the world was going to go through these changes in a year, changes in nearly everything you can think of, you'd have been so frightened of the year, so panicky of the year, it would have been hard to get through. But look, Look at what's happening. Oh, and it's, it's happening only because consciousness is remaking itself. Earth and humanity are just remaking themselves right now. But they are not going back. They are not remaking themselves from the old recipes. They're being remade from the new. That's why it appears to be challenging. Well, it was a year of ping. It was also a year of pong. Do you realize? Do you realize? Uh, Calder is asking about our 
our accuracy on statistics, there was more there were more new business startups this year than ever in history. Now, on one hand, businesses are crumbling, falling, falling away, the biggest, the strongest. But yet there are more new business startups in terms of corporations, home businesses, um, whatever type of um, legal structures you put on it, more than ever. There are more patents right now being worked on and in the process of being filed on a worldwide basis than ever before. So if the world is coming to an end, why is invention and creativity at an all-time high? There are more good deeds being done by humans right now than we can ever remember in our tracking on these realms. Well, you read about the bad news. You read about the murders and the slayings and the terrorist attacks, but do you realize that there are more humans who are taking this attitude of love and compassion, who are doing loving things for themselves first, and doing loving things for humanity, not to save it, not because they feel sorry for it, because they are absolutely in love with life. They're not doing it to earn brownie points in heaven. They're not doing it for their stinking karma. They're doing these things because they love life more than ever. Obviously, a year of ping-pong, back and forth, and you survived. You survived quite well, as a matter of fact. It may not be so apparent to you at certain times because it is still very challenging. That's the title of what we'd like to talk about today. So, Tobias, if things are going so well, how come it seems to be so difficult? That's a long title for your, your shout, but you'll figure a way to condense that. Why are things so difficult right now? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you a few things that you don't like, or you may not like. I imagine I should have called in St. Germain, but... <laughs> But as Tobias Calder says, my time is limited. So, first of all, things are not that difficult. They're not. There's a perception or a consciousness that you almost insist on that says, if everything isn't perfect in my old way of thinking, then everything's got to be wrong. That's an interesting process, interesting thought process. What's similar to the news? They don't publish the good things, just the bad. And even your own personal newsletter to yourself, you focus on and you put judgment on what you think is going wrong. But you know right now that in the process of getting sick, for some of you, it's actually a blessing. It is actually an incredible blessing because you're going to learn to love your body once again. You're going to learn to cherish life and it's going to scare some of you to a big degree. But at the end, you're going to breathe a sigh of relief and say, now I understand the value of my body. Now I understand the blessing and the beauty of life. Yes, that scare, that uh, whatever it happens to be, cancer, heart issues, anything else, can cause you to go back to 
either praying to or cursing the great unknown. Why are you doing this to me? I'm supposed to be spiritual. Why are these things happening? They're happening because it's helping you to understand at such a deep and intimate level. So why do things appear to be difficult at times? Well, one of the reasons is there's a struggle right now. It's a blessing, but I'm going to call it a struggle, that's occurring between your old human self, your, your what do you call it, major aspect or your group aspect called human lifetimes. That, that human consciousness is struggling with your soul self. And you're right in between. It's an odd place to be, because you're both. You are your divinity and your soul self. You are your grandness and all of your potentials. You are that elegant simplicity of the soul. But you're also your old human aspects and your human condition. And the two, they're not battling per se, but they're there's a struggle going on. The divine, this elegantly simple divine, is slowly, beautifully and lovingly making its way into your day-to-day life. It's not that it's been far off somewhere, but you haven't been focused on it. It now is moving into your life, and it's doing so in the quietest and the simplest way. The human condition is still struggling for what it thinks it deserves and has to have. The human condition has been trained to feel entitled. In its entitlement, it's demanding. In its entitlement, it is fearful. It feels threatened by this thing called the divine essence moving into your life. Because it's saying that if there is this divine essence and it's so grand and it's so good and it's you know, what this journey on earth is all about, then why isn't that divine essence giving me money and health, giving me everything I want, giving me magical powers, psychic intuition powers? Why isn't that divine essence doing this for me? And that's the struggle. The divine essence isn't doing it because it is the new guardian angel. It is the new you. A guardian angel, even if it's your soul, never interferes. It just loves, and it just has compassion. And because this time it's you, not some other angel, because it's yourself, it is fulfilling unto itself. Ultimately, there are no needs, there are no wants or desires, but human condition over here is feeling entitled, is feeling that it better have all of these things. And now you've got this conflict going on. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to side with? Are you going to try to arbitrate between your soul and your, your old, entitled human aspects, your fearful human aspects? Absolutely not. Let them work it out. Stand behind the short wall and absolutely let them work it out. Do you know why? Very simple. Otherwise, your human aspects, your human entitlement is going to start twisting you 
and manipulating you to get what it wants. You trained it. It knows how to work you. And it's going to start playing on your your desire for your own spirituality and your own God self. It's going to get you right in the middle. You don't want to be there. In a true sense of trust, you step back. Your human selves, your entitlement self, and your divine essence. Let them work it out. Let let that entitled human, that fearful human, feel the essence of your divine without having to be the negotiator, without having to try to pacify or placate your human condition. Trust yourself enough that it is in divine order of yourself that these two will meet and these two will meld. And it's not going to be war. It's not going to be chaos. What's happening in your life right now is you're trying to do a balancing act. That's what is getting you tired. You're trying to balance your human needs, your human fears, your human desires with your spiritual needs and desires. This is um, this is something that Jung is particularly interested in. Because when your spiritual desires awaken, your spiritual desire to return to yourself, what happens in this whole dynamic between the old, highly trained, sometimes pathetic and pitiful human condition (laughs) and the divine? So that's why we're saying stand back, trust the process, and watch what happens. When this happens, this is when you have the triumphant discoveries. Remember we talked in our first session of this calendar year about this is the year of triumphant discovery. Many of you are going, triumphant? I don't think so. (laughs) Discovery? No way. I'm going to ask you to look at one thing. First of all, what do we mean by a triumphant discovery? Did you think you were going to find a castle with a throne in it so you can continue with your human entitlement syndrome? <laughs> what you discovered, your triumphant discovery, what we were alluding to earlier this year was originality. Originality. We'll get back to that in just a moment. I'll let you ponder that for a bit. So you say, Tobias, why why is it so difficult? We're supposed to be enlightened, and you talk about the New Age and talk about the quantum leap. Why is it so damn difficult? Point number two, people around you. <laughs> people around you. Now, it's not their fault. It's yours. You let them. You take their problems as your own. You take their drama and you swim in it. You drink it in. You take their challenges and bring it right in and magnify it ten times as your own. But they're not. You take the world's issues that it's going through, its challenges, its wars, its poverty, its its violence as your own. You have this amazing adaptive ability to adapt everyone else's Why? Why are you doing that? 
Does it make you feel alive? Does it make you think you're going to um, be a competition for Mother Teresa? <laughs> a little sainthood on the side? You love taking on other people's problems. And actually, dear Shambhar, I told you, you get a little upset with me today. You actually love taking on their problems. You actually delight in taking on their problems. You can't imagine what it would be like to love another human, especially those that are the nearest to you, the ones that are the most dramatic in your life, and love them like a guardian angel would love you. You can't imagine not interfering in this life, in their life, not trying to change them, not trying to feel sorry for them. You can't imagine it. It seems empty, doesn't it? What would the day be like if you didn't have some family drama going on, if you didn't have some office drama? So you actually you actually bring it in, and then then you have to put your questions in this black bag. <laughs> Why do I feel so awful? Well, because you just haven't had any drama lately. The drama tends to keep you going. We're going to go past the drama. We're going to have that same compassion and love that the guardian angels have. That same compassion and acceptance. Some of you are already thinking, boy, that really is boring. really is boring. But you know, which part of you is stating that? Which part of you is wondering? Perhaps the human condition part that fed on drama, that fed on other people's problems, that took the world's problems, that human condition that needed that to feel worthy, that needed it to feel alive. That's one of the reasons, dear Shambhar, that you're feeling awful. It's because you're taking on everyone else's problems. One of the challenges in this month is going to be not taking it on and being aware and observant of how all of these dynamics of people and the world and everything else is calling to you, beckoning to you, part of you calling to them, calling to them, wanting to take on their issues, to feel sorry for someone, to, to want to solve something for someone to try to fix someone or fix the earth. We hear about this all the time, these groups, religions, whatever, trying to fix the earth, trying to fix other humans. That causes more conflict. That causes more hardship. The true standards love and accept everyone and everything. Challenging at times, yes. But that is the true standard of the new energy. There's another dynamic going on when you say, Tobias, why are things so difficult? Another thing, very simple, but yet can be very complex. It's trust. You don't trust yourself. And it's not reason to be upset with yourself. It's totally understandable. But there's a lack of trust. That lack of trust keeps you from doing things, keeps you from trying things. Lack of trust keeps you very small in a prison of consciousness. 
You're looking for things outside of you to establish the trust within you. It doesn't work that way. The true trust in yourself is a quantum leap of personal consciousness. Many of you try to trust yourself, but you've already determined what the outcome needs to look like in order for you to trust who you are. In other words, you have a model of what failure or success looks like. True trust in self has no failure and no success. It is that it is. And that is all it needs. It doesn't need to be right or wrong. It doesn't need to have a measurable event to regain trust in self. Trust is just that. Trusting in who you are. Now, all the voices and all the memories come flooding back in, reminding you of the times where you have screwed up. Not just this lifetime, but many. It says, you're going to trust who? You? It's easier to trust a guardian angel. It's easier to trust Tobias, anybody but you. The true leap comes when you go beyond the concepts of life and death, success and failure, and absolutely trust yourself. It's one of the greatest challenges a human will ever face, but, but, also the easiest, easiest challenge the human will ever face. You have to make the choice. Are you going to make it a difficult challenge? Or are you going to make it an easy one? Trust or lack of trust is causing you great distress in your life right now. It's taking your energy away. This thing called divine essence wants that trust wants to be able to come into your life, wants to be a part of your life right now. Next on the list, say, Tobias, how come it's not working out? How come life sucks? How come I try and try and try and it never works out? How come I've done everything you've told us to do and my life is still a mess? Well, very easy reason. You're not going to like me for this. You're playing a game. You're playing a game, that's it. You love this game, I hate to say. You love this disaster plan. You love when things aren't working out. You love to blame other people, and you really, really, really love to blame yourself. You are caught in a game that has been, been played by you for a long, long time. Because otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. But you say, well, Tobias, but all these external things, you know, my mother, well, see, go back to what we were talking about before. You're putting all this drama and energy in other people. You're using them as an excuse. Dear Shambra, I want you to take a really hard, loving, and compassionate look at yourself. If there's something that is not working in your life, something that you are not happy with, it is because you are playing the game. It's not being decided by anyone else unless you're letting them decide it for you. 
You're playing a game of poverty. You're playing a game of pretending to be lost. You're playing a game of being feeling powerless. You're playing a game of being lost. And somewhere inside you that only you created is a desire to do this and a choice to do it. You like to play the game that it was implanted in you by alien beings who live in trees. <laughs> you like to play a game that it is your past lives. You like to play a game that it's the people around you. You like to play a game that it is just that life sucks. And therefore, you're running into all these problems. But we're going to challenge you right now. I want you to take a look at the games that you play. If you're unhappy, you are choosing that game, period. Say, but Tobias, but I don't know how to get out, and I've taken every course, and I've gone to every school, and I've read every shout, and I've spent all my money on being unhappy. <laughs> Absolutely. You have. See, you're playing a game. You're perpetuating the game. You're running yourself broke so you can continue to be in that unhappy energy. Why? Why? Probably two reasons. A, you don't feel worthy to be out of the game. And B, that game is kind of fun. It actually really truly is. It's one of the things that we study in the House of Awakening now. It's been studied for a while on the new earth. Why humans play the games that they play? Answer, they love it. Answer, it feels good. Answer, they learn something from it. Why do humans play the games that they play? Because it must be doing something for them. Now, if you look at the fine print in this book, why humans play the games that they play, it states in the fine print that they can get out of it any time they choose. And then it states in very, very, very fine print that the moment they choose, their life will change. And see, most humans never look that deep. They don't want to. They don't want their life to change. Ah, you say, oh, Tobias, that's a contradiction. They don't want their life to change, but they're asking for change. No, they want their life to just get a little better. They want a little reprieve. They want a little power. They want a little drama feeding and energy. They want to be a little better than their friends and neighbors, but they don't necessarily want their life to change. Change involves, change involves true transformation. And how many humans are really ready for true transformation? It's a game. It is an absolute game. If you're not happy with where you live, or what you're doing, or who you're with, you're choosing a game. Ask yourself why. Ask yourself what you would have to give up if you were no longer playing the game. Ask how your life might be turned upside down on this human entitlement aspect is going to scream and complain because it just wants to continue being entitled. Ask what happens when you stop playing the game. 
Two very important points, dear Shambra. As you go forward into this next year, we're going to give a, a briefing in our next shout about our predictions for, for 2009, but two very important points to contemplate, to feel and to breathe in the rest of this month. Being original and being authentic. Being original means being original. Stop relying on what you've done in the past or what other people have done to create the template for your life. Original means new, never been done before. Original means coming from deep inside of you, your creativity, your uniqueness, your oneness with self. One of the things that Chez and the other angels talk about is how humans are copycats. They copy from each other and they copy from themselves. So they create a road that looks like the road that they had yesterday and the road that they had the day before. And that's the result of copying. The road will always look the same. Tomorrow's road is today's because humans copy. It's safer. It's safer to just copy something. Oh, yes, you might paint it a little bit different color or give it a little bit different name, but you copy. Now, it's not to say everything in your life has to be original, but start putting originality into your life, please. Something that comes from you and only you. Something you you say, well, how will I know? Because it feels like you. It feels original. It gives you excitement. Copying diminishes the excitement and enthusiasm of the particular event or creation. That's a mouthful. But it means that when you copy, how can there be this life-flowing, expanding energy? You're just copying. You're playing it safe. I'm going to challenge you you with good lives, you with sucky lives. I'm going to challenge you <laughs> to be original. Do something original. Uh, does it mean bizarre? Perhaps. But it doesn't have to be. It means coming from you. This is the voice and the energy and the consciousness of your divine. And it wants to play, not games, but it wants to play in life with you. By being original, you're bringing up this elegant, simple energy into your life. Be authentic. Be authentic. The overlays on earth right now have it so it's so hard to even remember what authentic is. It means true to you, true to your feelings. So many of the feelings of humans are, are whitewashed or buried. You're taught how to say things uh, so, so it's diluted, so that nobody gets offended or angry. You play it safe. But that's not authentic. You know, if you don't like someone, you can tell them that. You really can. If you are tired and you want to leave, you can say that. Now, some of you, this is going to be excruciatingly difficult because... Most humans are actually people-pleasers. It's how they learn about themselves. If other people like me, then I can like myself. When you start getting that authentic, that doesn't mean cruel. 
you see, right away the mind slips into this thing and says, well, if I'm authentic, obviously I'm going to piss people off. Actually, not. They're going to respect your authenticity. They're going to respect the voice that is no longer filtered by overlays, by shoulds and shouldn'ts, by by the way you have to appropriately state something. They're going to feel that resonance coming from the authentic you. Authenticity is being clear. It's difficult to be clear when you're you're in human form. Actually, the training right now, the overlays on Earth are to be unclear. You realize if you take a look at everything from laws to entertainment and communications, from religion and just about everything else, the intent is to be unclear. No clarity at all. That leaves humans in that kind of numb state, that hypnotic overlay state. Once you start being authentic, people are going to feel that. They may not like it right away, but it doesn't matter. You're not here to be liked by others, not in the old way you used to do it. Being authentic means speaking your divine, speaking your clarity, your truth. Stop trying to pick and choose the words. Chez is absolutely amazed at how Rebecca continually it baffles herself by constantly trying to say the right thing, what is supposedly right. So therefore the messages, the clarity of her communications are diluted. And when you are diluted in your communications with others, they're going to dilute their communications back to you. And pretty soon everything sounds like a drone and you're really not hearing anymore. Everything's like rah, 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 rah. <laughs> There's no clarity because there's no authenticity. Be original, be authentic. Now, I'm going to ask Linda to. <laughs> I'm going to ask her to pick two questions from the black bag at random and read both of them. At random? Relatively random. <laughs> and read both of them before we answer. Water? What are you looking for? Water. Mm. Well, some of that um, fizzy. It's gone. Mm. It was mine, but I shared it with you. Read both, please. Pardon me? Read both. Two questions at once. Uh, one, one after the other. <laughs> Thank you. I have a couple of issues. So many demons. I can't solve myself. The biggest one is, how do you find out what you're supposed to do? I've asked, begged, prayed, affirmed, declared, but can't hear the answers. I'm too old to make mistakes now and too old to have no real job, no real skills, no money. I look around and there's nothing out there I really want to do every day of my life. None of the old energy jobs attract me, but I'm no healer or channeler. Another one that keeps me awake, should I stay here or go back to my country where my earth family is? I feel so alone here. Lovely question. Second. Okay. Since the quantum leap in Taos, all became so crystal clear to me, followed by a true deep remembering of why I'm here, why I came here for, and what to do, namely to be a teacher. On my way back to Europe, I claimed 
I claimed who am only to learn that there was just zero understanding, neither from my boyfriend and business partner nor friends, quite on the contrary. I became an outcast, accused of having joined a most serious, dangerous organization, which <laughs> seems to be worse than Scientology, just to mention one of the many silly comments. Uh, adding to it, lost my business and money. Still during summer, I practiced to stay in my divine moment, and I still practice. Stay behind the short wall to only move forward in my quest to teach, but all my attempts so far to make money came to nothing. I tried to find a job, but any application was defeated with regards of teaching people. They were excited at first, but nobody showed up. Now I find myself in a situation unable to pay my bills, no one to turn to since I have no friends. My sole passion is to teach and inspire both people and business. Since my entire awakening process during the last eight years where I have to endure so much and so aware that all this was nothing but makes me a teacher with reference what others have to endure now or the years to come to guide them through. I yearn for experiencing joy, well-being, fun, and synchronicity in my quest, gathering with kindred spirits, doing your aspectology and sexuality workshop, which resonates to me in particular, what my future teaching topic is concerned, but my lacking the finance and all the intent to earn any came so far as stated above came nothing. My final payment demands are piling high, and I just have no idea what to do. I, can, I can't stay behind the wall. I mean I have to do something, otherwise I'm on the streets. But all I tried before did not turn out for good. All the ease that carried me through a most triumphant discovery storm so far seems to fade away, and I have... And I find myself back in fearful valley. I breathe to release the fear, and then I have just no idea what to do anymore. Any guidance, truly <laughs> and greatly appreciated, since that's not what I was choosing since my return from Taos last year. I deserve joy to live and to express my soul, passion, and finally do what I came here for in the first place. Thank you. Now, this was no. just it was one of the many in the big black bag. Dushambra. We've asked for these two questions, not knowing on our side at all what they were going to be, but knowing the energy in the what? bag. <laughs> I beg your pardon. And it could have. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been any two questions. Well, we could ask for two more, but uh, the point is well proved. We could read all of the questions, and dear Chambra. Not uh, not to try to be offensive, but might be a bit of a slap on the face for some of you. Can you hear in those questions and, and the others just like them exactly what we just talked about? Yes. Drama, games, other people, on and on, long stories, lack of communications, on and on and on and on. The two who wrote the letters and the others who have written similar ones in the bags, and you who are sitting here and listening today, you who are watching in, the letters you have written in your minds that are similar to this, they are games. You are playing games. The second letter that was just written went on and on and on and on, a lack of clarity, a lack of true desire to resolve, loving every minute of the game. And you're going to get very mad at me, and I'm going to get a very long letter from you. <laughs> I am sure. Because you're going to tell me I don't understand. You're going to tell me you've tried everything. You're going to tell me that you just don't know where to turn to anymore. 
Turn to yourself. Stop turning everywhere else. Stop blaming everything else. That These letters are filled with entitlement. These letters are filled with blaming other people or bringing on other people's misery into your life. Letters are filled with drama. The letters, at the end of the day, every one of them in that bag, are filled with games. Filled with games. Now, we're going to do everyone who wrote the letter a favor, and we're going to burn them in the fireplace later today. And hopefully you consciously burn them as well. I'm going to ask every one of you, because none of you are exempt. None of you are exempt. You're all writing letters, whether you do it on a computer, in longhand, or just in your mind. Why me? Why me letters? Why me? Why am I getting the short of the end of the stick? Why me? I asked for divinity, and all I get was a bad life. Why me? Why are all these other people making my life miserable? Because of the games. I say that in true love and true compassion, a true observation. There's something inside of you that's choosing it and picking it and making it a reality. It's perhaps <clears throat> tough medicine to swallow for any of you, any of you who are having difficulty right now. I ask you, why then are you playing the game? And what would it look like if you stopped playing? We'll come back later if you choose to ask any more questions. <laughs> and so it is.